Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone and welcome to the History of Byzantium, episode 246, Travelling to Turkey with Sheriff Yannin. While I'm away on the third History of Byzantium tour, I thought it was time to talk to the man behind them, Sheriff Yenin. Sheriff has been a tour guide in Istanbul for decades, and I met him on my first visit to Istanbul. It's been a pleasure to work with him ever since, and as you can imagine, it's Sheriff who does all the hard work of planning and running the tours. In this interview, I ask him about his life and career, the many guidebooks he's published, and about his YouTube channel and podcast. If you want to travel to Turkey or visit it virtually, then SheriffYannin.com is an ideal place to start. That's S-E-R-I-F-Y-E-N-E-N.com. I also put listener questions to Sheriff about places to see in Istanbul and beyond, as well as how to find a good restaurant. Enjoy the interview and email me, thehistoryofbyzantium at gmail.com, if you'd like to go on a tour in 2023 or beyond. Hello, Sheriff Yenin, and welcome to the History of Byzantium. Well, uh, such a great pleasure for me, Robin. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me to your podcast. It's a great pleasure to have you here. Uh, Sheriff has been an absolute godsend when it comes to uh, leading tours around turkey and uh showing the listeners a good time so it's a it's a great pleasure to have him here um tell the listeners a bit about your background and how you first became a tour guide thank you uh, well i come from a small town near the ancient city of ephesus uh, and i wanted to start my life uh, or with a military career uh, i wanted to be a pilot so at the age of 14, I was able to pass the exams for the military high school in Istanbul. So this was a great change in my life. Uh, I came uh, to Istanbul for my education, studied at the military high school for four years. And then uh, I understood that I was not going to be able to uh, fly as a pilot. Then I wanted to be an English teacher in the army. And I studied English literature and linguistics uh, as a military student. Then I became an uh, English teacher and a lieutenant. Well, altogether, after 12 years uh, in the military forces, I decided to change my uh, career. I quit 
uh, and then uh, I became a tour guide. Ever since I have been uh, working as a tour guide, it has been more than 30 years now, and I still uh, enjoy working as a tour guide. I can tell that by working with you, and uh, you have great enthusiasm for your job. What, what would you say is the best part about being a tour guide? First of all, uh, I feel very lucky uh, to be uh, in Turkey uh, as a tour guide, uh, You know, Turkey, you know, better than I do, of course, uh, is such a uh, rich history here uh, and uh, so much beauty is around. To share all this with especially foreign guests from mostly from all around is such a wonderful uh, experience, such a wonderful feeling. Uh, and other than that, uh, being a tour guide means meeting different people from different walks of life. Uh, and uh, it is a very dynamic job. Uh, the next day is never the same. Uh, and you look at your own culture uh, from different aspects together with your guests. Uh, and you have the opportunity to have uh, cultural interactions. It is not only one-way traffic in tour guiding, it is two-way traffic. And while sharing your uh, country's information, you're learning a lot in return. Uh, and also, I'm a national guide, not only a regional guide. I do guiding all over Turkey. Uh, I have a principle. Uh, I always want to add something new in every tour that I uh, lead. Uh, so, uh, for example, I love adding new discoveries. I consult with my guests and they say, I say, like 20 miles farther away from here, there is a fortress which I haven't been before. Shall we try that? And we all together go there and we try that. So adding these kinds of uh, discoveries in every program, uh, I create a kind of uh, creativity and novelty, uh, and it keeps me uh, enthusiastic about uh, working as a tour guide in Turkey. Hmm. Nice. Um, I, that makes me excited to, <laughs> to come on the next tour. Um, So as you said, you've been working as a tour guide for a long time. And I know uh, after many years, you became president of the Istanbul Tourist Guides Guild and the National Federation. Was that a, a tough job to take on? And how did that experience affect your career? I don't know how it happened, uh, <laughs> but I think it was because of my guidebooks, which I wrote from before, made me known among my colleagues So uh, they encouraged me to run for this position one day. And I don't know, I found myself running for the elections one day. And then uh, the first term, the second term and the third term, uh, altogether like 12, 13 years. Uh, so uh, it was an honor for me, of course, to represent all of your colleagues. We have 10,000 guides in Turkey and 4,000 of them are in Istanbul. We also became uh, a member of the World Federation of Tour Guide uh, Associations. So I joined many international meetings. So we were learning from other countries. We were uh, comparing ourselves uh, with the colleagues from other countries. Uh, this was a great opportunity. And uh, also as a uh, representative of the tour guides in the travel uh, uh, industry, 
Uh, I was able to establish good relations with uh, other colleagues or other travel industry representatives. And this gave me uh, a lot of flexibility in my job. uh, And I can reach many other people so easily. uh, And uh, it was an advantage uh, in the end. Well, I I spotted uh, early on, Um, in looking at your website, that while you were president uh, of the Guild, you were able to guide a couple of very famous people around Istanbul. Uh, Would you tell the listeners just a little bit about those experiences? Yeah, uh, it was such an honor for me. Uh, Some of these celebrities fit in the time when I was the president of the organization, but some came later as well. Uh, uh, For example, Pope Benedict XVI or Oprah Winfrey or Princess Michael of Kent or uh, Matt Lauer and Lester Holt from the Today Show uh, or Dr. Zahi Hawass from Egypt, a National Geographic uh, personality. So uh, it was such an honor for me, uh, but it is not easy. You know, when you are touring with big names like these, it becomes a lot more stressful. But on the other hand, uh, I have to admit that uh, even after 30 years, still, if I have a tour the next day, I am nervous, I'm anxious, and I don't know what kind of guests I'm going to meet the next day. I don't know if I will be able to establish a good relation with them. I don't know if I will be able to satisfy them with the services that I will be presenting. Uh, So no matter who the guest is, uh, it is always uh, a VIP for me, and it makes me nervous enough. (laughs) Very good. Well, uh, I imagine when you had to guide the Pope, that was uh, (laughs) even more nerve-wracking. But uh, people will have to come and meet you to ask you for more more information about that. Um, Let's turn to... Byzantium and to some questions that listeners asked uh, when I put out the call on social media. Um, Obviously you and your fellow tour guides have to deal with Byzantine history all the time, but could you tell the listeners about how the average person in Turkey um, thinks about Byzantium today? Do they learn about it and do they see it as a part of a foreign past or as a part of Turkish heritage? Well, this is a a wonderful question, uh, and thank you for bringing this up. And there is no one fixed answer for this. Uh, There are uh, different answers. First of all, we have to uh, accept that it is not only about Byzantium. There were tens of other civilizations before the Turks, in Anatolia, I mean. Turks, as you all know, came to Anatolia in 1071. And from then on, they started settling down here. Today, uh, among the Turkish people, there is a big group of people, I don't know the percentage, who do not care about the earlier people of Anatolia. I mean, before 1071. No matter if it is the Hittites or if it is the Byzantines. They don't care. They only look for the Turkish history. It is true that Turks came from Central Asia 
and this was in the 11th century. But when we came to Anatolia, uh, we didn't kill everyone here. Uh, instead, we mixed with the earlier people. Lots of our traditions derived from the earlier cultures of Anatolia. And even uh, our uh, look, we came with the Asian look, but now we are more Mediterranean looking people. Why? It is because of the mix. Uh, many traditions in the Ottoman palace came from the Byzantine traditions, for example, the food, the music, many other things. So how can you ignore that? Uh, we have to accept uh, all of the earlier civilizations of Anatolia as uh, richness in our culture. Uh, but unfortunately, not every people agree with that, uh, uh, agrees with that. Uh, and uh, hopefully, like many people uh, who are uh, educated enough to appreciate the Byzantines, the uh, Romans, the Hellenistic people, the Phrygian people, the Urartian people, the Hittite people, the Hatti people of uh, uh, the earlier uh, centuries, uh, more so that uh, uh, we uh, treasure this altogether. Excellent. Um, the listeners also wanted uh, some recommendations from you. Um, is there a site in Istanbul that most people don't know about or don't go to see that you would recommend they do? Oh, this is also a very good question. Uh, so by having this question, rather than uh, speaking about one place, if I may, I would like to tell more places uh, because uh, the average number of uh, nights or days for a visitor in Istanbul uh, is like only three days. So many people coming to Istanbul rush to the same places for these two, three days. The Topkapı Palace, the Hagia Sophia, the Blue Mosque, the Grand Bazaar, the Spice Bazaar, the Basra's Cruise, and then maybe the Galata Tower. Uh, and then that's all, they go back. So 99% of the visitors coming to Istanbul do these highlights and leave. But there is a lot more than that. Like in our upcoming tour, we included many other things in the program. For example, if I want to make a generalization, many Byzantine churches, which were converted into mosques, are generally not visited. For example, the Zeyrek Mosque the former Pantokrator Monastery, Kalenderhane uh, Mosque, the former Kriotisa Church, or the Fethiye Mosque, Pamakaristos Church, uh, and many others. So, uh, so Byzantine churches, which were converted into mosques, uh, we can make a list of them and we can uh, visit them. Uh, just like this, uh, speaking about masks, uh, people see the blue mask and not even see the other most important mask, the Suleimania, which was built by Sultan Suleiman the Magnificent from the 16th century. But there are beautiful places like the Rustam Pasha, like the Sokollu Mehmet Pasha mask, 
or like the Mihrimah Sultan in Üsküdar on the Asian side of uh, Istanbul. Mihrimah was the daughter of Sultan Suleiman the Magnificent, for example. So uh, there are uh, a few other important smaller mosques uh, which can be added in our uh, bucket list in Istanbul. Or lesser known cisterns. For example, a privately owned Nakash cistern or the Bimbirdrek, 1001 columns, cistern of Philexenos, or the Sherefiye cistern, Theodosius cistern. And there are many more. Uh, some of them do not even uh, have names. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I have one tour, for example, the underground and secret Istanbul. We try to go to these unknown places uh, in this tour as well. Uh, and if uh, listeners are interested, they may like to take a look at the list of places in my website as well. Uh, and then uh, there are some new neighborhoods, for example, the Balat neighborhood, B-A-L-A-T, uh, where the Greek Orthodox uh, Patriarchate is also located. It is a new uh, gentrified uh, area with nice cafes and restaurants and uh, boutiques and so on. The Asian side neighborhoods like Kuzguncuk or Kadıköy or Üsküdar, Üsküdar uh, is the Asian side neighborhood in Istanbul where the famous Battle of Chrysopolis took place between Constantine and Licinius. Uh, so we can add these places uh, in our bucket list as well. Very good. Well, you're going to have to restrict yourself for the next question because the next question is, where else in Turkey should people go? You, I imagine you could list many places because, as you say, Turkey has such a rich history. But if you could pick out one or two that you particularly like that people don't okay. go to. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, my favorite place outside of Istanbul, uh, this has been my favorite place only in the past few years because uh, there has been a new excavation and a new discovery in southeastern part of Turkey that is Göbekli Tepe, the Neolithic site. Uh, with uh, circular uh, buildings with the T-shaped megaliths placed in the circle. Uh, and uh, it is mind-boggling. I mean, 10,000 BC, the so-called primitive people uh, whom we thought they would be living in caves some 6,500 years before the invention of metal tools were able to shape gigantic size uh, stones uh, and make uh, beautiful stylized animal figures on them. Unbelievable. Uh, I mean, the more you learn, uh, the more astonished you get. Um, so Göbekli Tepe is my uh, number one site in the whole world. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, the, another recommendation listeners were interested in is uh how do you find a good restaurant in turkey do you have any tips for figuring out where would be good to go or or particular cuisine you would recommend yeah uh, this is a very uh, difficult question actually uh, but uh, if i am in a new area in turkey and if i don't know where to eat rather personally rather than going to the luxurious places I go to the back streets. I try to find hidden 
restaurants in the business areas, uh, generally for shopkeepers. Uh, you know, shopkeepers, if the quality of a restaurant is not good, they don't go there anymore. And the, sh- uh, the restaurant doesn't have the chance to survive. Uh, that's why I look at the restaurant, I see if it is crowded enough. Crowded with local people, with more local people inside. So this is my criterion, for example. Uh, and other than that, uh, recently I have been working uh, on uh, an illustrated map of Istanbul and I made a delicious Istanbul map. It is a culinary map of Istanbul with breakfast places, street food places, uh, sh- restaurants for shopkeepers or sea view restaurants uh, or kebabs or the pasta places or the pide places uh, and all different categories like that. I hope I will be able to publish it soon uh, and it will be available everywhere. Uh, it's going to be so simple uh, to follow the recommended places there as well. That's fantastic. That's a perfect transition <laughs> to the next question because you've produced a lot of material and, and content over the years that people can uh, take with them to Turkey or they can enjoy at home. So let's talk about some of them. I know uh, COVID lockdowns have given you time to work on your online material. Um, could you tell the listeners a bit more about your YouTube channel and your podcast and what sort of things they can find there. You know, I n- knew nothing about podcasting, and but I learned uh, a lot from you. Uh, and for the first few years, I didn't have the courage uh, to start that. But only recently, uh, I had the courage and I was able to start it in a very humble, in a very simple way. Uh, so it's a travel podcast. I named it as Turkish Odyssey. I have a guidebook named as Turkish Odyssey. So I got the name from my guidebook. It's a new project. Uh, it's a travel podcast. Uh, there is no uh, subscription uh, which is required. Available in all platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, it is good for those visitors who would like to go to Istanbul and Turkey. Why? Uh, because I give summaries there, like the, the Byzantine summary and the Ottoman su- uh, summary, and then the highlights, uh, section by section. Uh, I have done so far like five episodes or so. Uh, so it is new, uh, but little by little, it's getting better and better. Uh, uh, it gives uh, very precise, I mean, uh, I mean, like a, one a day kind of a, uh, information. Uh, so uh, it may be useful for uh, visitors who would like to uh, come to Istanbul or Turkey. YouTube, uh, I've been dealing with it for a long while, but with this COVID time, I started making some presentations online. Uh, and then I said, why not? Uh, I put some of these presentations on my YouTube channel. Uh, so I have a few different series in my YouTube channel. Uh, there are some videos in Turkish, some videos in English. Uh, I have a series named as Did You Know? So many interesting uh, pieces of information about Anatolian history. Uh, so I try to put one topic every week, and I have been doing this regularly with no interruption, with no exception for more than a year now. 
uh, one video, one minute video in Turkish and another video in uh, English every week. Then I have virtual tours of places like the Ayasofya and Göbekli Tepe and so on. Uh, I have human history lectures. I have practical information videos. So uh, YouTube, I have been spending more time uh, for a longer period, let's say. Uh, other than that, I, I'm also a very active social media user. Uh, whatever I prepare for YouTube, I make it available in my other platforms like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. So they are all available everywhere. If you just write Sheriff Yenan in the Google uh, search box, you come across with lots of uh, results. Absolutely. And I, I thoroughly recommend your Cora Church and Hagia Sophia tours in, in English. If people won't be able to get to Istanbul, it's like you're there and you have great access to those places. So thank you. That's fantastic. And you, we've, we've talked a couple of times about your books that you've written uh, books and travel guides. Do you want to just tell people a bit more about them? Uh, yeah, just, just shortly. Uh, I have guidebooks. Uh, the first guidebook uh, that I wrote was the Turkish Odyssey uh, and I made it in four languages. Uh, and it, somehow it became the first guidebook of Turkey ever written by a Turk. I don't know how and why it happened so. Otherwise, we used to read about Turkey from Fodor's, from Lonely Planet, from the Blue Guide and so on. And it was liked a lot and it made me... Uh, known among many other people uh, and I have recently been able to update the Turkish version and the new version is just coming out within these days now. I love illustrated maps. I work with a very good professional team, illustrators and designers, uh, Turkey and Istanbul maps. I have been able to make a travel documentary film about Istanbul and it is named as the Istanbul Unveiled and it has won like eight or nine international awards. It is available in my YouTube channel now. Uh, thousands of people have uh, liked it uh, a lot. Then I have uh, quick guide pamphlets uh, and about places like the Hagia Sophia, Basilica Cistern, Hippodrome, Topkapı Palace, the Bosphorus. Uh, and I have the culture series of the quick guide pamphlets as well, like Islam in Turkey, the Jewish heritage, Mustafa Kemal Atatürk, the founder of the Turkish Republic, the whirling dervishes, wines of Turkey, uh, which are among the oldest grapes in the world. So these are my uh, publications. Yeah. So those cultural guides are excellent. You know, I found that very helpful when we went to see the whirling dervishes on the on the last tours and so on. Mm -hmm. I should say, obviously, more information about this at sheriffyenin.com. And I should probably spell that for non-Turkish listeners. That's S-E-R-I-F-Y-E-N-E-N.com, Sheriff Yenin. And there you you can also find out a little bit about the international lectures that you've given about Turkish history and culture. Do you want to just tell the listeners a bit more about that? 
Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, we always tell uh, about uh, history of Turkey in the presence of uh, our groups. Sometimes we do it on the bus. Sometimes we find a room in the hotel, wherever uh, is appropriate. Uh, then I started promoting these presentations to other countries, especially to the U.S., And I have been able to establish some relations with the Smithsonian uh, in Washington, D.C., for example. And Smithsonian has been my regular place for my lectures now. I have done more than 10 times. Uh, just a few days ago, I did uh, one online uh, lecture about uh, the unknown or lesser known parts of Istanbul, for example. I have been to some museums and some other universities like the Penn Museum, University of Washington, Boston Cultural Festival. Uh, you know, from Mongolia up until Ireland, uh, I have been to many different countries to talk about Turkey, Turkish history, uh, ancient civilizations, flavors of Anatolia, ancient cities, and the virtual tours uh, about places from Turkey. So it is also a great pleasure for me to be able to do these kinds of presentations fantastic well there may be people listening who want to uh, make use of your services and i definitely recommend uh, people check out sharifyenin.com or come on the history of byzantium tour <laughs> to meet sheriff in person and to see our double act as we take you around byzantine and other turkish sites so sheriff uh all i can say is thank you so much for all the work you've done and thank you for coming on the podcast today Well, Robin, I can't thank you enough for introducing me to your audience uh, and for uh, making tours together. Uh, it is always a great pleasure for me to work with you. Thank you so much. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.